Judges chapter 21, verse 25. Amos chapter 3, verse 7. And 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. It says, in those days, Israel had no king. And all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. That's Judges 21, verse 25. New Living Translation. Amos chapter 3, verse 7. Indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything. The sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. New Living Translation. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. The Passion Version says, But when someone prophesies, he or she speaks to encourage people. Say encourage people. They speak to encourage people. They speak to build them up. And they bring them comfort and affirmation. When someone prophesies, he brings people, she brings people comfort and affirmation. I want to speak to you on the power of the prophetic. The power of the prophetic. Uh, we had a powerful, wonderful time Friday evening at Fan Into Flames. Uh, jo- uh, Pastor Josh Roberts spoke on uh, five ways to ensure uh, God's dreams. Yes, he said re- resetting your dreams was the, uh, the the title of the sermon, resetting your dreams. Some of you lost your dream, but God wants to give you a new dream. He wants to give you his dream for your life. And he said five ways to ensure God's dreams. And the number one thing that really confirmed what we're doing this morning, he said, you've got to make God's word the foundation of your dreams. You've got to make God's word the foundation of your dreams. And this really encouraged me to, 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 uh, Really know that I am on God's path right now or I have us on God's path because we have got to understand the word of God. We, we just got to, many of us, um, and praise God, thank God for uh, BibleGateway.com and the number of Bible, Scripture, daily devotional apps that send you a Scripture. Anybody uh, get those days? Yeah, and they're wonderful, but the challenge with those is that you get a word, but you don't get it in context. So, for example, if I said to Jamie, Jamie, you're stupid, and that's all you read, well, more than likely, you would probably say, wow, that was a horrible thing for the pastor to say to a a man who has been his friend for a uh, almost two decades, maybe over two decades now. However, if you were with us 
and he said this crazy joke. And I said, man, you're stupid. That would have a totally different feel to it because you would have the statement in context. We quote a lot of scriptures, but don't understand the context. So we can't get an appreciation of the value of that scripture. And what I'm hoping to do this morning is if, if I can get through this quickly, I want to give you context of some of the scriptures that you have grown to love so that not only will they mean more to you, but they'll have a more powerful impact in your life. I want to talk to you uh, about Je- uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. We know that one. I know the plans I have for you. Good plans, plans for hope and for a future and and. Yeah, of course, that speaks to us. But when you, when I talk about the dire situation that Jeremiah was in, then you really say, oh, man, if, if God can say that to Jeremiah in the mess that he was in, then I know he can say it for me. Right. Amen. Are you with me so far? So uh, we want to journey through, we're journeying through the Old Testament and uh one of the things that I know for most people, most people probably read the Bible and they stop probably realistically. Most people probably stop at either the Psalms or the Proverbs or the Ecclesiastes and they kind of say, well, let me go on to the New Testament. Okay, I'm not going to tell you to raise your hand, but I can tell. I can tell. And those other 17 or 20 books, well... You know, I'll understand it better by and by, but I still know John 3.16. So I'm here to get you excited about the rest of the story. Because there is a reason why God put 39 books there as opposed to 39 in the Old Testament as opposed to just 20. And all those names that sound like tongues, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Obadiah, <laughs> Nahum, Malachi, Hezekiah, uh, Zephaniah. No, there's no Hezekiah. But see, some of you said, yeah, Hezekiah. <laughs> there were nine errors in the Old Testament, nine time slots, nine periods. And again, those nine periods, just to go over them in this book that we're going through, please, you need to get this book. Uh, 30 days in understanding the Bible. Uh, there's the creation era. There's the patriarch era. There's the exodus era. There is the conquest era. There's the judges era. And that's where this scripture ends. Where I said the judges era says this. In those days, Israel had no king. And all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. That is not a good thing when people just do what they want to do. And then there's the kingdom era, the exile era, the return era, and the silent era. So I want to talk to you about those three eras, the kingdom era, the uh, exile era, the return era, and the silent era. And seeing that you came all the way from Panama, I should at least give you this book. <laughs> That's my wedding present. <laughs> So what I wanted to do is if you look at table one and we're going to race through this and then we'll come back to it next week. Table one is the kingdom era. When you read 
the Old Testament, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. Those are all historical books. Those books will take you all the way from Samuel all the way to the silent years, all the way to Malachi. So if you want to understand the history of the Bible, when you start at Samuel, that is the kingdom period, and it goes all the way to to um, Esther historically, but it covers really all the way to Malachi. Are you with me so far? Now, so you don't get confused, the Bible of the Old Testament is divided up into, in this book it makes it even simple, three parts. That is history, which is really, and, and I know we've been talking about five parts, I don't even make it more simple, no, I'll say with the five parts. The first five parts, the first part of the Bible, Genesis to to uh, Deuteronomy is the law, the law of Moses, the Pentateuch, the Torah. Uh, and then from Joshua all the way to uh, Esther is history. Then from Job all the way to Song of Solomon is poetry. And then from, to make it easier for you, from Isaiah all the way to the end are uh, the prophets. And that's why when I talk about the power of the prophetic, the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, are you with me so far? The Old Testament is prophetic driven. The New Testament is apostle driven. Most of the Old Testament was written by prophets. The Bible even speaks of the fact that that, that Moses was a prophet. So most of the Old Testament was written by prophets. Most of the New Testament, if not, yeah, pretty much all of it, was written by apostles. Everybody follow me so far? Now, so when you look at the kingdom history, the kingdom history starts with 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. Samuel is the transition point. Samuel ends the book of Judges. He's the last judge. Are you following me? But he also is the one who's transitioning Israel from being led by judges to being led by kings. That's why he's the one who anointed who is king? Saul. And who else did he anoint? David. Are you following me? But now the other thing is Samuel also is the one who who brings in, even though it's not in this book, this is extra, he brings in the prophetic era. He is the one who sets up the schools of the prophets through all, through which all the prophets base their ministry on. Are you following me? So he's a very transitional person. So as I said, he anoints the first king, which is Saul. And then he anoints the second king, which is David. So first and second Samuel deals with Saul. Sorry, deals with Samuel, deals with Saul, and then deals with David. Are you with me? Then you have the kings. First Kings and Second Kings, and that deals with every king in Israel from Saul all the way to the last king before they uh, were finally taken over as a nation. Now, here's where it gets 
a little tricky because when you read the scripture, you're reading about Israel and you're reading about Israel and all of a sudden you start reading about Israel and Judah. And all of a sudden you realize seeing Israel had a king and Judah had a king. And you're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What happened? Well, what happened is that, if you could watch this picture, the first king is Saul. The second king is David. The next king is who? Solomon. He's the next king. Now, Solomon, wisest man in the world, great heart, and then all of a sudden, Solomon decides that he is going to have a whole lot of women. He has 300 wives and, and yeah, 300 wives and 700 mistresses, women on the side. My goodness. He could, he could go on a date and every night and not date the same woman for three years. Lord have mercy. And, and, and the Bible says that he got God upset because, because those women who he was with, his wives, turned his heart from God. He started to please these women. He started building temples to their gods to appeal them. That's why it's dangerous when you start going out with people who are not saved because they're going to start to turn your heart from God. Mm. Mm. We call it backsliding. What's backsliding? Backsliding me, you were up front praising the Lord, and then girlfriend came in, and then you're sitting in the second row, and the third row, and the fourth row, because you're appealing to her or him. Now, I don't have to sit, I don't want to be sitting up there, and then you're backsliding, you're moonwalking. Need to be singing, beat it. Yeah. I tell her, Billy Jean's not my love. You know, you need to. I tell you, Michael Jackson was a prophet. (laughs) 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 Woo! Drop the mic. Anyways. (laughs) I got to record that one, use it in another church. That was good enough to recycle. So you have Solomon. His now he is, you know, he he is his heart is turned from God, and God said, Because you started following other gods, I'm gonna rip the kingdom from your hand. I'm gonna rip it in two. But and this is the power of having people who have prayed for you generations before. He said, Because your father David served me. I am not going to totally just take the kingdom out of your hand. So what happens is that now Rehoboam, who is Solomon's son, he becomes king, but he decides. And, and so the people came to Rehoboam and said, yo, your dad was kind of a tough guy. They really want to say he was a jerk. Um, he taxed us crazy. Why don't you, you know, why don't you just chill out and, you know, lighten up on the taxes and, you know, we can be cool. We want to serve you. And Solomon and Rehoboam was like, well, you know, let me get back to you. And instead of listening to the mentors that are around him, he started listening to his boys who had no more sense than he did. Yes. 
Oh, every person ought to have three people, three people in their lives. They, everybody needs a Paul. Everybody needs a Barnabas and everybody needs a Timothy. Mm, mm. A, a Paul is somebody who's way out in front of you. So you can say, oh yeah, that's, that's where I want to go. That's what I want to be like. Okay. And then, a, then, so that's a Paul, someone who's way out front who you're saying, wow, that's, I want to be like that person. They're modeling it. Are you with me? On the other hand, then, then there's, you need, a, you need a Barnabas. A Barnabas is a, is a contemporary, a friend. The Bible says Barnabas names is, means the son of comfort, the son of, son of consolation. You need a, you need a boy. You need an intimate friend. You need someone who's going to tell you the truth. Whether you want to hear it or not. You don't need somebody who's going to be a yes person in your life. Yes, yes, yes. What do you think about this? Yes. No, you need somebody who's going to tell you a truth. A, 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 if you're a guy, you need a guy friend. If you're a woman, you need a woman friend. Who's going to tell you the truth. Who's going to get up in your face and say you're wrong. Or when you're ready to quit, they'll get up in your face and say, you know, you got to keep going. Barnabas was no punk. Because when, when Paul was going to drop John Mark, you know, I like what Dr. Howard Hendricks said. You know, it sounds nice that they have a disagreement, but he says the way the Greek is, it's almost like they're about to get into a fist fight. And they, and they split. But my point is you need somebody who would tell you the truth because in the end, the end, the end, Barnabas was right. And then you need a Timothy, meaning you need to be mentoring somebody. Well, I'm only 25. Then mentor somebody who's 15. Well, I'm only 15. Well, mentor somebody who's five. You ought to be, you, you should always be reaching back. Whether you're a female or a male, you ought to be reaching back. Are you with me so far? And so you have, so Rehoboam comes back with his boys. And he says, here's my answer. You think my father Solomon was tough? I am going, my pinky is going to be harder on you than Solomon's whole hand. And Israel said, see you later. We're not following you anymore. And they followed this guy named Jeroboam. No relationship. And so now you have Rehoboam, who, who, the only tribe out of all the tw- 12 tribes, the only one who stayed with uh, David family or Rehoboam was Judah. And that's why there's a nation of Judah, which is called the Southern Kingdom, because that was the southern part of the entire nation of Israel. And the 10 tribes, they kept the name Israel and they became the Northern Kingdom. Are you following me so far? And so right now you have two kingdoms. You have the northern kingdom and you have the southern kingdom. Why am I here? Because PT sells that way. So the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom, every king was evil. You have Ahab, you have Jezebel. I mean, every king is evil. On this side, you have the southern kingdom, and some of them are good, some of them are bad. You have Jehoshaphat, you know, Hezekiah, Uzziah. You have some good kings, and you have some bad kings like Manasseh. Are you following me so far? Um, let me take these next three minutes to, to sum this up, and then we'll pick up where we left off. So now, 
you have this southern kingdom. Then you have uh, first and second chronicles. Are you following me? First and second chronicles is is a book about kings, but it's only about the Davidic line. Are you with me? It's only about kings that came from David's side. It's only about kings from Judah. It's only about kings from Chronicles. Not Chronicles. Judah, the southern kingdom. Are you with me so far? And then, uh, so, and then, so, and then after that, that's when you get into a lot of stuff happening. And so during this kingdom period, you have, in Chronicles, you have a lot of stuff going on. There's, there's the period of the kings, as you see, and then there is the exile. So what happened here, and I'll close with this part. Yeah, I have to close with this part. Um, because the northern kingdom, Ahab, Jezebel, Jehoram, I mean, just bad dudes. God got so sick of Israel that in 722 B.C., he brings in, he allows the Assyrians to come in and just wipe them off the face of the earth. The capital of Assyria is, so the Assyrians were already ruthless. Are you following me? And the capital of Assyria was Nineveh. So that's why when God says to Jonah, hey, prophesy to Nineveh, Jonah is like, are you crazy? Do you see how ruthless? These guys are ISIS. Okay, if you want a picture, these guys were ruthless. They were known throughout the world. And so God tells him, go to the capital city and prophesy to them. And Jonah knows God. He, you know, he says, if I prophesy to them and they repent, You're going to have to show mercy. And I don't want you to show mercy. I want you to jack them up. So I ain't preaching. Because your mercies are new every day, every day. And I don't want mercy. I want revenge. See, when you understand the context... (laughs) Because later on, it's the Assyrians who actually end up wiping out Israel. And then, and, and this is deep, because God, th- this is why, as, as this is heading 30 years before Assyria comes, have you, are you with me? God says to this guy, Hosea, he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. In other words, because they don't know the scripture. Then he takes this guy, Hosea, because Israel you, you need to understand that all they're doing is worshiping idols through the entire northern kingdom. So God says, all right, 30 years before he wipes them out, gives them another chance. He says, you know what? Hosea, yes, this is what I want you to do. I want you to marry a prostitute. Really? Yeah. I want you to marry a prostitute. Okay, thank you for your grace. And, 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 this prostitute is going to cheat on you. Wait, so you want me 
to marry a prostitute who's going to cheat on me. Yeah. And then, not only that, she's going to have two children out of her adulterous affair. Whoa. And then you're going to take her back. I mean, you still want a prophetic ministry. And, and he says, the reason why you want, I want you to do this is because I want you to give my people an illustrative sermon about how they've been treating me. You've been acting like whores. Oh yeah, that's what he calls it. When we worship other idols after all he's done for us, he calls it whoredom. He said, show them how they've been treating me and that's why I am going to divorce them. And 30 years later, Assyria comes. You think they would have turned after that? God's mercy. He gives people he gave them another three decades to repent. And part of my expression, but they gave God the finger. And before you go, Ooh, uh, some of us, God has given us time to repent. Paul says it this way in Romans. He says, the reason why God hasn't dropped the hammer on you yet with all your sin and all your mess is because the mercies of God is trying to give you more time to repent. Trust me, everybody who's going to hell is going to deserve to be there. Because God, come on folks, how many times have God has spoken to us about certain things and we still do it and well, nothing has happened, nothing has happened and God's like, you know what, the mic, the, the hammer is about to drop and when it drops, it's going to be too late to say mercy. And then to make matters worse, To make matters worse, another 140 years go by and, 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 and Judah, God says, did you see what happened to your sister Judah? You saw what happened. So why don't you all get your act together? Why you worship? You saw me drop the hammer on them. Why are you still going to sin? And God raises up this man named Jeremiah. And Jeremiah says, Babylon's coming. And Babylon is going to drop the hammer on us. Oh. He says this. And then Babylon comes in in 606 BC. You proceed on the sheet there. It says exile. 13 years after that, now you got to understand, they're in exile. They're in Babylon. Babylon means confusion. Everybody with me so far? You still track with me? It means confusion. So life is just crazy. Life is in confusion. They've been ripped from their home. Uh, they've been taken from Israel to Babylon, which is about a 700-mile journey. The, uh, the, 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 the most average, the most common Israelite, you gotta, you got to put your mind back then. Because some of you have traveled all over the world. So what's the big deal? 700 miles. You need to understand that probably 80, 90% of every, every Jewish person never traveled 20 miles outside of their home. So to go from 20 miles to almost 700 miles, you, it, you are like in, a, in another world. 
And that's when they're in Babylon in Psalm, I think I was getting mixed up, I think it's Psalm 137, when it says, sing us one of those songs that you sang in Zion. It's like, how can we sing us, how can we sing the song of the Lord in a strange land? So now they're in Babylon. 13 years later, false prophets come along and says, thus saith the Lord, we're getting out of here in two years. Everybody rejoice. We're all the prophets and Jeremiah shows up. And Jeremiah, Jerry says, uh, thus saith the Lord, you're going to be here for 70 years. So you might as well build homes. You might as well get married. You might as well have children. And you might as well have grandchildren. What? <laughs> grandchildren? Yeah. Because you're going to be here for a while. In fact, pray for this, pray for the city of Babylon because if it goes, if it goes well for you, for them, it'll go well for you. Well, they ain't want to hear that. Like some of us. None of us want to, none of us want to hear we're not getting out yet. Come on, folks. We all want to hear, thus saith the Lord. I'm going to bring you up. Oh, yes. Next week, you're coming out. And if you would give a seed offering right now, you'll come out even sooner. (laughs) We want to hear good news, good prophet. I'm coming out. Hallelujah. We don't want to hear God saying, "Uh, by the way, you're going to be here another 55 years. And so the false prophet got mad. Oh, this is deep. He got mad because I guess Jeremiah had a wooden yoke to say, you're going to be stuck for seven, for another 55 years. And the other guy's like, no, we're getting out in two. No, 57 more years. 57 more years. So the false prophet got so mad. This is heavy. You better submit to the will of God. He got so mad, he took the wooden yoke off of Jeremiah and smashed it. And God said, okay, now you're going to have an iron one. (laughs) It got quiet here. You, You won't submit to what I told you. All right, I'm going to put an iron one on you. Smash that one. And then God says, oh, you want to know who's the true prophet and who's the false prophet? The guy who prophesied died in three months. Pastor, where's the good news in all this? Here's the good news. And I'll give you part two. I'll just stop. Seven years before the city, the capital city, Jerusalem, and the temple is burnt down. Seven years before it's burnt down, God says to them, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to give you a bright future. Can you imagine, seven years later, Jerusalem's in flames. The temple is burnt to the ground. And they have to remember, with all this hell that's breaking loose, 
God says he still has plans for us. That's why you need the prophetic in your life. To bring you through seasons in your life when it seems like your whole life has gone up in smoke. When it seems like everything has been destroyed and wiped out. God still has the ability to say, remember what I told you. I still have a plan for you. And nothing that has happened in your life around you is going to stop what I said. Because my word, I will hasten to perform it. That is the power of the prophetic. That is the power for the prophetic. When God prophesies that this church is going to be filled to capacity. I was, as I shared with you before, it was 1975. And as the attendance went down, God said, my word is still going to come to pass. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. Let's bow our heads. The power of the prophetic. The power of the prophetic. The power of the prophetic. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your patience. I know I took a little extra time, but but somebody needed to know that God, no matter how bad things are, you still have a promise. And then there's others who God is like, you keep playing with fire. Like Solomon, you, you keep, you keep, you keep walking outside of the covenant. You keep messing around with my mercy. You keep messing around with my grace and you may find yourself on the other side of my grace. We saw these wonderful people give their not only give their lives to the Lord, but they to confirm that they got baptized. And as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, and you heard these testimonies of from children to adults of the faithfulness of God, the love of God, the when they were in dark times, God said, I still got my hand on your life when though you lost your parents, I, I, I still have a plan for your life. Nothing is going to stop my plan for you. But I can't fulfill that plan if you don't give me your life. Tall and broken.